Good morning, church family. So good to see you this day. You know, when I'm over there, I'm, I'm jamming and I'm singing. And as you know, they, they won't let me sing with them. But also, I've never been a good dancer. So even though I'm like into it, I only have like, you know, I'm limited to that space right, right there. But um, I do the best I can. But I could tell you on the inside uh, the joy that song brings to me when it is speaking about the truths of God. Amen? Uh, just a couple of things before we get started uh, in, in the Word today. One, I just want to mention that we will be having a meeting with the leadership this week uh, with the new information from the CDC and mask and how we're going to handle all of that moving forward. So just hold tight. Um, keep your mask on for, for now. I want to remove my mask just as much as everyone else does, but we'll discuss it and we will continue to give you information as it opens up. As Deacon Ray said, we have a men's breakfast this Saturday, so it's going to be a great time. We are uh, now in a position to start having fellowship where we weren't uh, able to do that as much before. So make sure that you take uh, those opportunities to spend time with uh, your brothers and sisters. We have a lot of things coming up on the calendar, and we will roll those out to you as they come up. And like he also said, in between services over uh, by the lodge, we will have bagels and coffee, just a time for us to get together and speak. Um, today, we're going to be in Psalm 19, so if you want to get there, uh, in your Bibles, while you're turning there, uh, we're going to be talking about uh, the Word of God today uh, just in terms of words. And when we think about words and how we use that as such a big part of our communication, it is so important what we're listening to. We communicate a lot of ways, right? Sometimes we communicate with facial expressions, Somebody might roll their eyes at you or wink at you. Sometimes uh, we communicate through body language, but we often communicate in words. And when we communicate in words, we are hearing information all the time. And the value that we put on that information is very important. In other words, sometimes we hear words that we should not place high value on. And if we place high value on those words that we shouldn't, it could steer us in the wrong direction. There are other times where we hear words that we are supposed to put very high value on, and we don't always do that. But today, we're going to be speaking about God's word. And the sermon is called, Your Word is Food for the Soul. So if you would stand with me for the reading of God's word. Again, we are in Psalm chapter 19. We're going to start reading in verse 7. And today I'm reading out of um, the New American Standard Bible. And the word of the Lord says this, The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, 
enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are, right, they are righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold, yes, than much pure gold. Sweeter also than honey and dripping of the honeycomb. Moreover, your servant is warned by them. In keeping them, there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Acquit me of hidden faults. Also, keep your servant back from presumptuous sins. Let them not rule over me. Then I will be innocent, and I will be blameless of great wrongdoing. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you as we look at this psalm, how it shows us so many benefits of your word. This is how you've chosen to communicate to us who you are, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for this love letter to your people so that we would know you, the word that changes life, the word that makes one wise unto salvation, the word that encourages, that corrects, that directs. Thank you for that, Lord. We ask that you would open up our eyes this morning, Father. We ask that your word would be planted deep in our hearts so it would produce what you have called it to produce. We thank you, Lord, that you said your word would not come back to you void, but it will accomplish what you send it to do. So have your way this day in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. So when we are looking at um, Psalm 19, David uh, is a witness to creation and the scriptures. When uh, verses 1 through 6, he is speaking about creation. And we know that David, being a shepherd, was one that was very well acquainted with creation, being uh, there with the animals and sunrises and sunsets uh, and looking at the starry skies. There were many things that he was able to look at and recognize there is a God. Um, the Bible speaks to us in many ways. The benefit of the Psalms is that it is a person speaking to God. It is different in a way where a lot of the Bible God is speaking to his people, but this time we get to go behind and look from the other vantage point of someone speaking to God, as we all do. And David uh, writes this poem, and he sends it to the choir director, and he tells the choir director, put this to music for the congregation to sing. So we sing a declaration of what we know to be true. When we sing these songs in the morning, it brings great joy to us because we know that there is truth in what we are singing. So seeing God's creation, we sing of his wisdom, of his power, of his creativity. So when David wrote this psalm, in the beginning, he's talking about 
God's creation. And then he starts to speak about the word of God and the benefit of it. And then he speaks about the grace that he needs through God's word. It says this, um, this is a quote, it says, he is wisest who reads both the world book and the word book as two volumes of the same work and, and feeling concerning them, my father wrote them both. The existence of creation implies the existence of the creator and the nature of the creation implies that he is wise enough to plan it and powerful enough to execute his plans and to maintain what he made. The complexity of the universe demands a creator who can do anything, who knows everything, and who is present everywhere. He speaks to his inhabitants by means of his creation. So verses 1 through 6 shows the creation and God's glory through the creation. And that's in a general revelation where anyone can look at all that God has made and say, there is a creator. The verses coming after that, in verses 7 to 11, the word of God is shown as a grace. It is special revelation. It is for us to understand that God reveals himself in a special way. In creation, we say there is a God. The word reveals who he is. And then the end of this psalm in verses 12 through 14, David prays for grace and mercy. Now that I know that there is a God, now that I see who he is through his word, help me to live that out. That is what David prays for. As we read the different parts of this psalm and what the word means, there are attributes for each one of those definitions given in his word. And each one of those things minister to us. And we're going to take some time and look at what each one says. It says, the law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. One of the things you'll see in this psalm is there's a cause, and then each time you will see an effect. Because God's law is perfect, it has the ability to restore the soul. When we're talking about law in this place, when we talk about law in the Hebrew, right, it, the word is the Torah. It means instruction. It means direction. It means teaching. But here, the law is used in a way where it means all of God's revelation through his word. It says that the law of the Lord is perfect. What do we know that is perfect but God? The perfection in his word, there are no redundancies. There are no omissions. Everything that's supposed to be there is there. It is a crime to add to it. It is treason to alter it. 
And it is a felony to take from it. It is perfect. And it says it restores the soul. It renews the soul. Our lives. The power of God's word can bring us back from where sin sometimes takes us. We've said this before. Sin takes you further than you want to go. It keeps you longer than you want to stay. And it costs you more than you want to pay. Sin is never one of those things where we can dabble in it and, 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 and play around and then retreat and we have control. No, we as sinners sometimes fall into a place where sin moves us from where we're supposed to be. But God's word restores us. God's word brings us back to where we need to be. The practical effect of the word of God is to turn a person to him or herself, to turn a person to God, to turn a person to holiness. Not outward alone, not only actions, not only words, but what's going on on the inside. Because we know our words and our actions are only a reflection of what's going on on the inside. That place where we end up when we do wrong, because God's law is perfect, it can renew us. It can restore us. It can return us to the place that sin has taken us. And that is a great thing to know. That verse goes on to say, the testimony of the law is sure, making wise the simple. The testimony of the law. When we think about God's testimony, right? We all have a testimony, but when we think about God's testimony, which is the scriptures, the scriptures is God's witness to us of who he is, what he said, what he has done, and what he wants us to be, what he wants us to do. And his word is sure, and his word is reliable, making wise the simple, the simple, the inexperienced. When it comes to salvation, when it comes to the principles for successful living, God's word does that. There's a story that I was reading that I'm going to read to you. And it says that one morning, the young new president of a bank made an appointment with his predecessor to seek some advice. He began, sir, as you know well, I lack great, a great deal of the qualifications that you already have for this job. You have been successful as president of this bank. I was wondering if you would be kind enough to share with me some of the insights that led to your many years of success. The older man looked at him, stared at him, and replied, young man, two words, good decisions. The younger man responded, uh, thank you very much, sir. Um, how does one come to know which is a good decision? 
the older man says to him, one word, experience. But how does one get experience? Two words, young man, bad decisions. The Bible says the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple, the inexperienced. God's word can keep you from making bad decisions. The inexperienced can be trained in discernment, making wise choices that, ref that reflect a divine perspective. You don't have to go out there and make all the mistakes for yourself. You don't have to make bad decisions to gain experience and say, I'm not going to do that anymore. If you value God's word, if you read God's word, if you watch God's people, if you watch the world, you can come to conclusions and say, that's not the way to go. Far too often, we choose not to do that. But where the word of God can make the simple, the inexperienced, wise, even those of us that have a level of wisdom need to keep growing in that. And it is even so important for us to understand what wisdom is. Proverbs 4, 7 says, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and in all you're getting, get understanding. Exalt her, and she will promote you. She will bring you honor when you embrace her. We need to understand what wisdom is. Knowledge is the accumulation of information. Understanding is how that information works. But wisdom is an application word. Wisdom is how do I apply the knowledge and the understanding that I have? Where do I apply it? When do I apply it? And how do I go about that? It is so important for us to use wisdom in our decisions, and we get that from God, who has all knowledge. Verse 8 said, the precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. Precepts, stat uh, statutes, detailed instruction concerning our practical matters of every day. We need to understand that the Bible deals with our practical life situations. We were talking on Friday at the Bible study, and I asked a question, and some of the answers that I got back were like theological answers. And one of the things that I said is, don't give me a theological answer. Tell me how that practically works. In other words, we just drew a principle from the Bible. Put that into a real-life situation. Because if we just have like this head knowledge or think about something in a theological way, sometimes it is hard for us to walk that out, to know what that looks like in our daily living. But God's precepts give us instruction for our daily living. 
It is the how-tos. They are the divine principles that lead a person down the right path. And that's why it says that the precepts of the Lord are right and they rejoice the heart, right? When you are led down the right path, life is a lot nicer, a lot smoother. We, we are in God's will when we're going down the right path. And as long as we're going down the right path, we may have struggles, we may have trials, but there will be a rejoicing because you know that you're in the right place. The commandments of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. When we think of commandments, what we're speaking about here is that which is appointed. And those are given to us because God loves us. Often we think it is to stop us from having fun or to doing something that we want to do, but the reality is those are put in place because God loves us. And he is setting for us parameters. This is what you are to do, and these are the things that you are not to do, right? The do's and the don'ts. Warnings. Our response to God's commands, our response to these warnings, they tie into life and death of our situations. When we choose not to follow those things, things die in our life. Opportunities and relationships and all kind of other things, and even maybe physically. And it says that his commandments are pure, enlightening the eyes. Enlightening the eyes. The word gives us light. It gives us direction, and it also gives us reflection. We know which way to go because of God's word. God's word also gives us reflection. We are able to look in the mirror and see who we are because of God's word. It says his commandments are pure. We hear a lot of information. We're told a lot of things, even from our loved ones. But with God, there is no agenda, right? When, when people say things to us, there are multiple reasons why they're saying something to us. But God's commandments are pure. There is no conflict with, God, with what God does in his universe and with what God says. It is by his word that he has created the world. And it is by his word that he controls and maintains it. So when we hear God's word, we know that it is pure. Verse 9 says, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. We cannot learn God's word unless we show reverence and respect to God. When we are teaching the Bible, what we are teaching, what we are speaking about is the fear of the Lord. The mark of any good godly student of God's word is that the word would burn the heart, not that the word will give you a big head, 
We learn God's word so that it can change us, so that it can affect us. So the fear of the Lord is good. It is the beginning of knowledge. Some people fear things, and the things that you fear keep you from moving forward. Other people fear things that should not have us concerned. But the fear of the Lord is clean. The fear of the Lord matures us. Remember the time before you were saved when you did not fear God. You may have known he existed, but you were doing whatever you wanted to do, and it took you to a certain place. Because sometimes when we think as believers, no, we shouldn't fear God. Um, No, we must fear God. Matter of fact, the church has lost this fear of the Lord. And that is one of the reasons why so many in the church can hear God's word and do the opposite. That's why people can hear God's word and be hearers only and not doers. Because they have a lopsided view of, no, God is love, and and this is grace, and it's going to be okay. There is a reverential fear that we are supposed to have for God. The Bible is real clear that don't fear the one that could just kill the body. Fear the one that that can kill the body and send you to hell. Only one person can do that. So we are to have a reverential fear of the Lord. Throughout the scriptures, we see that that is important. The judgment of the Lord is true. They are righteous altogether. The judgment of the Lord, we're talking about a verdict. We're talking about a decision made by a judge. Throughout God's word, we see that he passes judgment on people and he passes judgment on nations. He rewards, he rebukes, he chastises even his children, right? The Bible says whom he loves, he chastises. And if he does not chastise you, you are illegitimate. You are not his child. This helps us understand how to please God. Because if there weren't consequences for actions, if God didn't judge situations and allow there to be consequences, we'd just be doing whatever, right? We'd be running reckless. But God does that in a way, especially with his children, lovingly to keep them on track, to put them back in the right place that they are supposed to be. His judgments are right and they are righteous. We know that a lot of judgments are not right. A lot of judgments are not, right, are, are not righteous. Even with our own children, those that have children, we don't always have all the information. We make mistakes. We do things sometimes out of emotion. We do things sometimes out of the way we thought it looked. Sometimes we don't even want to hear what our children have to say, right? And we will judge a situation. Sometimes you end up paying a penalty that you didn't deserve. Not that way with God. 
And that is a beautiful thing for us to know. Verse 10 says, they are more desirable than gold. Yes, than much pure gold. Sweeter also than honey and dripping of the honeycomb. A spiritual treasure is more valuable than material wealth. We, we hear that. Often we do not live as if that be the case. It should be sought with greater eagerness. That's how you know whether or not you really live by that. Because our treasure, because of God's word, because of the pursuit of him, is much greater than anything this world has to offer, that's what we should be desiring. We should seek for that with great eagerness. People seek many things. What we need is truth. The question is, do you desire God's word? Do you crave it the way that you crave other things? Do you go after it like you go after money? Do you treasure it the way you treasure your paycheck? Does it satisfy you? Does it satisfy you like your favorite food? You guys know that I'm a foodie, and one of the things I was concerned about when I got sick was like, am I going to lose my taste? And is that ever going to come back? Like, like, that's, there's a lot of things you could take. Don't take that, right? Does God's word satisfy like your favorite food? How many, how many meals have you missed lately? Let, let me ask you another question. Is this the first time you opened up your Bible since last Sunday? To have an appetite for God's word is the mark of a healthy Christian. In our bodies, when we lose our appetite, we know we're sick. We're not feeling well. If you don't have a healthy appetite for God's word, something's wrong. That's why so many Christians are weak or undernourished and are sick. If God's word is all that we discuss today, the question becomes, do you even value his instruction? Do you even want it? Or do you think you have it all figured out and a little bit that you hear when you come on Sunday or when you listen to a small devotional is enough? Because if that's the case, all of these things that we read of the, the benefits of God's word, you're not really embracing that. If the God's word is all that we just spoke about, then it is something that we should know, that we should love, that we should desire, that we should be in. Many things we say, but if we think back on our week, if we think back on the month, if we think back on our daily routine, it will tell us the truth on whether or not we value God's word. I bet when there's overtime and it's time and a half or whatever, you value increasing your paycheck. 
for something that's not going to last. The Bible is more valuable than anything the world can offer because it provides what the world does not have. The word in the hand is fine. The word in the head is better. But the word in the heart transforms. And that only happens when we're spending time in it. Verse 11 says, moreover, your servant is warned by them. In keeping them, there is great reward. The Bible should be our mentor. The Bible should be our monitor. The Bible should be our remembrance and the keeper of our conscience. This is why we read God's word. Few. Take the warning so graciously given. Do you realize that the words of the Bible and the warnings that we have and the commandments to be kept and the parameters set and the precepts given, all of those things are an act of grace from God. And then he gives you the Holy Spirit to empower you to live those things out because it's not good enough to know it. It's not good enough to see it and to recognize that if you are not empowered to keep it, then all that does is put you in a sad state of affairs. But he gives us the Holy Spirit. So as we read it, as we know it, as it shows us who we are, as it shows us who he is, as it shows us what we are to do, we are empowered to live it out. In keeping them, there is great reward. God's service is not only a delight, but he rewards. There is a wage received. The thing is, that wage received, it's not a debt. God owes you nothing. But it's his grace that he gives you an, a, a reward. We have an inheritance, an inheritance that's never going to run out. Like your paycheck runs out, and that's what we chase after. Being in God's word, there is a, a reward. We get closer to him, we stay in our purpose, we fall more in love with him, and that is an inheritance, being with him forever. But are we putting the right value on God's word? As we read through what God's word does, we should really think about Am I viewing God's word that way? Do I recognize the purity of it? Where we're in a place where nothing is pure. Do I recognize the value of it? Do I recognize what it has done in my life? Do I recognize that it's there to make me wise so I don't have to make these mistakes? Do I recognize that it's perfect? There's no other information that you're getting that is perfect. But God's word is perfect. 
Translations change because the English language changes. God's word never changes. Everything that you need is there, and it lacks nothing. Worship team, you can come up. Verse 12 says, who can discern his error? Acquit me of my hidden faults. We don't even have the ability to understand all the things that are going on inside of us. We can't even identify all the sinfulness that we have. Matter of fact, if we were to say, you know, when we, when we pray and we repent and we're mentioning the sins that we uh, recognize that we have, they're so much greater than that that God is excusing us of. It says, who can discern his error? You're not even aware of half the things that you do when you hurt someone, when you were being selfish, when you did something, when you said something, and because we're so used to it, we're just like going through life like it's okay. God sees it, and he knows, and he's so gracious and merciful to forgive us of those things. It says, also keep your servant back from presumptuous sins. We have sins that we just straight out know is wrong, and we engage in it. As believers, it says, let them not rule over me. Then I will be innocent, and I will be blameless of great wrongdoing. We know that sin consumes. And what this is saying here is, God, the sins that I'm aware of and the sins that I'm not aware of, let them not rule over me. Just to know that and to be considered blameless, that in itself is a great treasure. It says, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Lord, my rock and my redeemer. David here is praying for grace and mercy. For the sins that he knows about, for his hidden faults, his willful sins. Imagine, if we had eyes like God to see ourselves and all the things that are going on in our lives, we think very different of ourselves. We're so biased in our own favor, we just kind of think, oh, we're doing pretty good along this road. When actually our transgressions that we're even aware of is just a small sample. We pray that they not rule over us. We plead the blood of Jesus, our only rescue. As we've gone through what God's word is, the benefits of it, how it ministers to us in so many ways, I want us to leave here this day recognizing that, asking for forgiveness for not being in his word enough, not valuing it like gold, like much pure gold, 
and placing all kind of other things as priority over it. Sometimes we'll sit there and watch a TV program for an, every movie's an hour and a half at least. When's the last time you spent an hour and a half in your word? Not only reading it, but meditating on it, allowing God to impress things in your heart as you pondered what the scriptures say that are perfect. Pondered what the scriptures say when God is making a declaration about himself and giving us precepts that we need to be guided, showing us what pleases him, showing us a mirror that we know truly who we are, and then giving us the Holy Spirit to be able to see those things, to come to him, and to be empowered to live a life that is pleasing to him, that has great reward, that will bring us great joy being in his will. So like David, we pray, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. We already know that those words can only come out of our mouth if they're in our heart. Because the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Whatever's in here, that's what's going to come out of our mouth. And even when we speak to people and even to God, things that are not truly in our heart, we have to pray that our words, that our meditations would be acceptable to him. Let's pray. Father, we, we thank you. We thank you for how your word ministers, Lord. The great benefit of your word, Lord. We ask for forgiveness, Lord, if we have not highly exalted your word. If we haven't spent the proper time in it, Lord. And still had great expectations on what you do in our lives where we're showing by our actions or our lack thereof where we place our relationship with you. Reading your word is an indication of where we are with you, O oh God. So we ask that you would correct us, Lord. We ask that you would give us an appetite for your word, Lord. We don't want to be sick, malnutritioned, weak Christians, Lord. We want to know you. We want to please you. We want to be empowered by you, Lord. We want to walk in your will. We want to keep your commandments. We want great joy, Lord, something that the world cannot offer us. So much of that is provided in your word. Helps us to even 
determine how we hear your voice and if we're hearing from you as you impress things on our heart. Only way we can discern that is by knowing your word. We pray for the one that for the first time you're doing a work in their heart, Lord. You're opening up their eyes, Lord. You're removing that heart of stone and replacing it with a heart of flesh, Lord. We pray, Lord, at the end of this prayer where it's said that you are our rock and our redeemer, that they would be redeemed, Lord, that they would recognize the price that you paid on the cross for their sin, and that they would repent, Lord, come to you, that you would place people around them, Lord, that would draw them, that would speak to them your words of truth, your words of life, your words that give wisdom unto salvation, oh God. That they would open up the Bible, understand who you are, that they would come to church, Lord, and start on the journey that you have for them, Lord. We pray for that one this day, Lord. Whether they be in this place or online, Lord. Hear their prayer, O oh God. For the rest of us, Lord. That we would have such a hunger and desire to know your word. That the things that we heard this day about what your word is would change our activity for the rest of our life and we would be drawn closer to you and have a more intimate relationship with you that we are purposeful about. We place that in your care. We thank you, Lord, for that. In Jesus' precious name, amen.